I guess we can thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your word and we're grateful for the mercies of this life, the opportunity to seek you, the opportunity to find you. We'd ask that we would, in a number of different areas this morning, build us up. In your son's name, amen. Last week we were in the first half of Titus, and uh, since I had been dragged into the first half of Titus by looking at the second half of Titus, I sort of figured I'd be in the second half of Titus this week. And I am. Now the basic, if it was a theme, general theme, uh, last week in chapter one and half of chapter two, um, there's a bunch of lists of what you'd consider to be qualifications for bishop, you know, qualifications for life. Um, let's see, where is Titus? Um, bid the older men be temperate, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Yeah, that kind of list. Good advice. And the thing I tried to point out to us is too often, because we are legalists by heart, nature, inclination, the shortest distance between two points is a law. Um, we see a, something like temperance, seriousness, sensibleness, whatever the, the word, and we immediately form it up in our mind as if it were a rule that then needs to be codified in the best possible way agreed upon by the saints and everybody become obedient to the rule. But in other aspects of our Christian lives we're being told why do you submit to regulations? But there's an insistence in these things and it just seems like well someone's insisting on something must be a law. What I wanted you to think last week is the insistence it's not a rule by, to, to act a certain way. It's a description of what you ought to be like. It's still ought. Too often the idea of oughtness, we think, has to be a rule. But this is a description of what Christians ought to be like. And, and, and don't dodge that. And the more you, the more you stop and say... I ought to be this way. This ought to be what it, the Holy Spirit is doing in me. Your pursuit of Christ and the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and the way you ought to be um, never dodges the target. It's still righteousness. It's, it's very hard for people to think that if you live by grace and not by the law, you can still have a righteousness um, you can still have a, um, an imperative. An imperative of life. God wants you to be holy. God wants you, I have that from last week at the top of the right hand side, but as for you, teach what befits sound doctrine. Bid the older women, bid, bid the older men, bid the older women. Train the young women that the word of God may not be discredited. So when you get to that point, you'll notice that sound doctrine, word of God not be discredited, likewise urge the younger men, show yourself in all respects a model of good deeds. 
And in your teaching, show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censured. I want you to step away from the list of the things of what you ought to be like, which should describe you, and look at the approach to it. Teach it, bid them to be it, train them to be it, urge them to be it, show yourself to be this way, uh, Titus, both in your life and in your teaching, so that the word of God would not be discredited. So that, in verse 8, the opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say of us. Because the world is watching. The world is watching at what Jesus Christ does in people. Not what we do as, you might say, religious observants, to, to, to pretend we're a certain way, to pretend we have a certain kind of righteousness, but that view of not discrediting, not having anything evil to say of us, and it says here in the uh, section, uh, that was what we covered last week, down to that point in verse 8, verse 9, bid slaves be submissive to their masters, and to give satisfaction in every respect, they are not to be refractory, nor to pilfer, but to show entire and true fidelity, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. That's what I want you to think in terms of. You don't discredit, they will have nothing evil to say of us, you adorn the doctrine. Because if you don't, you're just bad. Well, you ever invited someone to church and a little worried that we'll make a good impression? I mean, assuming we don't because we're a little different, but um, just because people are cold or not sensible or what are some of the things that are being recommended here? For the slaves, they're, they're not to steal, they're not to they're going to be faithful. They're going to be submissive to their masters. Give satisfaction. You know what it's like. You know what restaurants do that for you. We had a very, we went out for kind of Valentine's Day last night and went to Lopez. I had a very nice waitress. Just very nice. Very chummy. Not that fake chummy, you know, they want to sit down at your table with you. Kind of real. I asked Leslie when she was gone. Did she seem real to you? Yeah, she seemed real. You know what that's like. Good service. Good service. You tip for that, right? Just that right level. Not too invasive. But not wearing too much flair. You know. That's what we're, we're supposed to be. God's waiters and waitresses on earth. We're supposed to be What? Temperate, serious, sensible, sound, loving, steadfast, reverent, not slanderers, slaves to drink, teaching what's good, train young women not to be vacuous, and the young men to control themselves. You want to go to that store. You want to visit that restaurant. You want to fly on that airline. When the flight attendants, we call them stewardesses because we're old. Because you like the, you like the sense of calling them stewardesses. They're not flight attendants. They're not attending to the flight. They're waiting on me. They're stewards. 
or stewardettes. We are that in this world. They're measuring us. How many stars is Jesus Christ getting on the whatever the travelocity? Gonna, gonna go with Jesus, gonna go to church this Sunday. How many stars? What are the reviews going to read like? We may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And that adornment, he says, you, you teach what befits sound doctrine, and it comes back around that we end up, if this describes you, what you ought to be like with Jesus Christ in your life, this should be the description. You hold this objective, Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God up, you put it on your fridge, you put it on your dining room table, so you look at it and go, that's what the Holy Spirit is after. That's not the rules All Souls Christian puts out. It's not like, you know, we don't want you here unless you are serious, sensible, sound in faith and love. So let's chop, chop. Let's get on it. We've all struggled with being serious and sensible and not realizing that I might be a young woman who is, you know, a few bricks shy of a full load when it comes to basic obligations in life or that young men don't control themselves. But the, but the measure still stands. The dipstick asks for that in your life. Now, in Christianity, <coughs> you might not have noticed this, but there are different denominations. Have you seen those? I saw some article on Facebook a couple days ago the Roman Catholic response that there are 33,000 different denominations outside the Catholic Church 33,000 oh, it might not be that number but that sounds about right that that many, and we're one of those we're one of those 33,000 we we're not part of a denomination we're maybe an outlier maybe we're on top of that 33,000 And Christians have spent their time rewriting the list, describing what a Christian ought to be like. No, Lord, I, I have a better idea. This is what I want you to look like, act like. Some of them are in direct opposition to some of these things. They don't like what Paul said, so they write a different list. But that ends up being bad decoration. Have you ever... Do you have any friends? Do they ever invite you over? Do you have any friends that can't decorate their place to save their life? Which is one thing. Some people aren't into decoration. Okay, grant that. But there's some people that are. And they still can't. They are and they ought not. I was talking to somebody about. Oh, it was Bethany yesterday about a ministry we were conversing on, a national ministry. And I went out to their website and looked at their headquarters. And it was, it was like looking at the inside of a Holiday Inn Express. I mean, it was 
it was so hotel-y, you know, all the bouquets and the wall art and the, the furniture, everything was right down the middle of America, what's supposed to be viewed as. Some people think they know what they're doing when they decorate the life in Christ, and they don't. Some people think that the joy they're showing, I know some kids who wandered away from the Lord because the joy their parents showed was just so over-the-top wrong, so not joyful, so obviously about Jesus all the time that it's just, the kid just wanted to, I want to go be a Buddhist because I don't want to be this. If you're designing it, you're going to miss the point. Whatever denomination, if we try to develop here the kind of we had upwards of four male ponytails last week. I mean, we don't have many people, but we got the cool down. One had to go back to Boise. We could have our own way of doing things. We want to look at the Word of God and say, what befits sound doctrine, what doesn't discredit what Jesus Christ is trying to do, what the, what give the opponent nothing evil to say, that is a real adornment to what Jesus Christ means, is that list. This is the oughtness. This is the description. And it says, right at the end of verse 10, they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And then verse 11 says, for the grace of God, and he says, this is why Christianity is on the planet. This is how it works. For the grace of God has appeared for the salvation of all men. This is why we want to adorn the doctrine. Why we don't want to discredit the doctrine. Jesus Christ has died for all. For the salvation of all. And what it has done, verse 12, is training us to renounce irreligion and worldly passions. And, and to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope in the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great description. Think of it as a description. Don't think of it as rules that you haven't obeyed yet. Think of it as a description because you're wanting to have the Holy Spirit, you're wanting to have the work of Christ in you produce it. Not the work of you to look like a Christian. You've heard us say about manners, one is not what one must pretend to be. Okay? If you have to pretend to be a Christian, one, you're going to do it poorly, two, you're not one. You're looking at the description of what it is, because this is what the grace of God came to do. To save you, To create in you a religiousness. You say, well, I don't think it's a religion, it's a relationship. I was in, in a restaurant a few weeks ago, and there was somebody evangelizing, a young woman evangelizing another woman at the table next to us. It seemed like it was going okay. It was very uh, friendship evangelism. and uh, But I could hear this one coming a mile off. The non-Christian girl said, I'm not really religious. Christian girl said... 
Well, I don't look at it as a religion so much as a a relationship, which is true. It's not really a religion, it's a relationship, but it's also religion. Religion is pure and undefiled, is helping the widows and the orphans in their affliction and keeping oneself unstained by the world. I'm to renounce irreligion. That means something of what it is to worship a God has to be in effect in your life. What does it mean that you stand before the Lord of glory as one of his, that you belong to this religion of Jesus Christ? And worldly passions. In other words, you don't have a constraining force, whatever that is, of Jesus Christ in your life, but you do have a constraining force of worldly passion. Talks about that in Peter. We, we uh, what's it? What's the phrase? I can never remember. Um, oh yeah, chapter one. I think it is. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Not living by your desires, but living by what you have been, what's happened to you in Christ. So you've got a, a religion, it's a dispassionate quality in some fashion. It eliminates the worldly ones of those potential passions. It is sober, righteous, that means upright, that doesn't mean you're walking on two feet. It's godly. And it's hope. It's forgiveness, holiness, and hope. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. And remember, you're supposed to not have this be discredited by the effect in your life. That they would have nothing evil to say of us because of the effect of this in your life. And that you would adorn the doctrine of God because of the effect of this in your life. What is this in your life? Forgiveness of sin, salvation, holiness, and hope. Awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Over the years, you've probably heard me say, what it is, is forgiveness of sins and life eternal. One is the work of God and grace in you to get rid of your guilt on one hand and make you a new creature. And the second, the coming Lord. It's a simple agreement that all believers have. You get forgiven sins and you have the coming glory. And that's this passage goes over it again. Salvation, the life that it creates, and the coming glory. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. Now I put the word good deeds in red. I don't know what to do with it. It happened earlier in the passage already, uh, back at verse 7 of chapter 2, a model of good deeds. Because it's, it's, the, the phrase, which is repeated, honest work down in, in, in verse uh, 3.1, and then in verse 8 um, of the next chapter, apply themselves to good deeds, 
and verse 14, apply themselves to good deeds. One of the possible translations that matches the context to some degree, but not entirely, is honest occupations. Not good deeds like old lady across the street, Boy Scout moment, uh, helping the poor. Those are good deeds. I, I recommend them. But it might be he's talking about your role in life, what occupies you, your, 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 your business. That you'd find a good place to be as a Christian. And you're going to see how that, well, I want to point that out now so you know why I put that red in there, because his advice to us may not always be this, you know, this kind of piety of how you feel, that you always do kind of these vague good deeds. It always recommends good deeds of the spiritual kind. Those are still going to be the case. But it's going to create in you a kind of person. Now it says in verse 15, declare these things. I, it's not centered in, in, in Paul's original. I just did that. I like the graphic quality of it. Declare these things. Exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. That's so that you know that when I lean into this, you know, well, you say it, I told him to. Don't let anybody disregard this. This is important. The way we go about this in our Christian lives, how Titus is supposed to guide the church in Crete, he's not going to let anybody get away from this way of thinking. Remind them, verse 1. To be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for any honest work. That honest work is the same phrase as good deeds in the Greek. Ready for any honest work. You can see the, the possibility uh, contextually about these. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all men. Now the problem, with this, that's a great list. That's a great list. Memorize that one. Speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all men. Now, you could make the rules. You get up in the morning and say, I will show perfect courtesy to all men. I will avoid quarreling. Thou shalt. You could always put it in that cut. Thou shalt avoid, avoid, avoid quarreling. But you know, Scalia just died. He is, what do they call his school of thought, Daniel? Strict, strict constitutionalist. He went by what it said. Sometimes he even made decisions that didn't seem to be friendly to a conservative mind because he was going by the Constitution. The problem is, as you have read constitutional uh, amendments, is there are vague words which then lawyers, God bless them, argue over. Words like in the Bible, like blameless. What does that mean? That an elder be blameless. Okay. About what? It doesn't tell you what this is. To be gentle. I'm gentle. Everybody can claim they're gentle. 
You know, I was courteous. Again, it's hard to work and be clear about what the law is on this. A law wouldn't suffice to giving us enough direction. And so pretty soon, these, these descriptions, when they want to become laws, they start to have, you know, those kind of, you know, people with their pants pulled up high and their thin black tie and King James only. They'll be happy to tell you what the extent of the rules are that would be covered by these qualities. They'd be happy to tell you. They will tell you that if a girl kneels on the floor, her dress should touch the deck. You ever hear that one? At Christian schools. You know, like when short skirts were pretty big when I was young. Pretty short when I was young. And Christian schools or whatever would have the girl, they had to kneel on the ground and her skirt had to touch the floor. See, we fixed it. Right? Talks about modesty in the Bible. Not enough information given. We'll give you more information. They know how to create a whole institution, a bureaucracy, of what you got to do. But when you're stopped in front of the Holy Spirit and the Gospel, and you say, Lord, what do you want me to be like? And he says, why don't you just avoid quarreling? Why don't you, uh, why don't you be gentler? Why don't you be, uh, show some perfect courtesy to all men? Yeah, thank you. I would, that would be very consistent with the Holy Spirit of God. It would be very consistent with the Holy Spirit in you. Because you remember having come into God and grace in Christ. For we ourselves, verse 3, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by men and hating one another. Ah, not unless the commands for being ungodly, a description of what it is to be ungodly. We were foolish, we were disobedient. We're not in the business of just switching sides, loyalties for people who are described this way. Tragically, too many Christians, that's a description of them. They're fools, they're disobedient, they're led astray, slaves to their passions and pleasures, passing their days in malice and envy, hated by men and hating one another. That describes some Christians perfectly, if they're Christian. And it's not because they get to just switch teams. Well, we're, we're, we, uh, we uh, you know, kind of a hateful people. We just really like to take in after people and, and quarrel a lot. But we wanted to do it for Jesus. We wanted to join the Christian team. He says, no, that describes what you once were. In Christ, you were described differently. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. This is a wonderful, this is, this is the quote that I was looking at when I worked my way back to the front of Titus. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. 
you have to, the description of you has to change. Because the, the gospel is being measured by the description of you. So that when you walk into church or say I'm a member of, you don't get to join this church, but you say I'm a member of All Souls Christian, I'm a Christian, I believe X, Y, or Z, people look at you and what's the description going to be like? If you were to write up your obituary or your your skills in life, would it come closer to the description of the temperate, serious, sensible, not vacuous, or would it be more like foolish, disobedient, led astray? It's because of what he's done. Christ's work, not ours. Not because of any righteousness on our part, right? Not because of any deeds, he saved us, but because of his mercy. He had an intention to be merciful to us. We were not deserving mercy. Mercy is never deserved. And he did it by the Holy Spirit. So, what you're describing is not just a loyalty to Jesus Christ. Well, I guess I better get the, the lead out and start acting this way. No, it's not a loyalty you have to this idea. It is the, uh, the referent point of what happened in you. This is what happened. He said that back in um, uh, verse 11. For the grace of God appeared for the salvation of all men. Uh, but when the goodness, verse 4, and loving kindness of our Savior appeared, this is what happened. And it happened because of God's mercy and the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Right? Where it says, uh, the washing of regeneration and renewal in the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that we may be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope of eternal life. So that the goodness he talked about earlier, being saved, being holy, having hope, that is through the work of the Holy Spirit in you. You were, what does regeneration mean? What's another old Baptist way of referring to it, or Jesus' way of born again? Regenerated. Resurrected. The rebirth, being born from heaven, is what the Holy Spirit does because of the intentions of God's mercy, and not because I was good enough. But the end result is a life, not that is good enough, but it describes what Jesus Christ did. It describes what the Holy Spirit did. I had a charismatic friend many years ago in the Navy who was not a real good man. Nice enough, you know. Came to our Bible studies. And he was always trying to describe himself asserting aggressively that he was more spiritual. Regardless of how bad his life became, to the point his wife left him for another woman. But he was always describing, he had made a separate list of what it was to be spiritual. The Holy Spirit, the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, has the effect of making the descriptions that honor that event. Who are you? If you're not that, say, 
do I know the Lord one? And if I do, am I ignoring what the Holy Spirit wants of me because I, I'm too pleased with what I'm designing for myself? The kind of life I think would be kind of a cool Christian life. There's a cool Christian life that Jesus Christ is trying to design in you. Saying is sure, verse 8. I desire... Look back at verse 15. Declare these things. Let no one disregard you. Remind them. Bid them. Urge them. The saying is sure. I desire you to insist on these things. Have I, done, I, I mean, I've kind of insisted, right? I put an exclamation point beside something in the notes. And that's always, that's always effective. When you see an exclamation point, well, he really means it then. The saying is sure. Amen to it. If my sister were here, she'd say amen. Because she's that way. So that those who have believed in God may be careful to apply themselves to good deeds. That's, again, that good deeds thing might be honest occupations. I want you to think of something. Jesus Christ came, not just to save your sorry rear end from the effects of your sins, not just to give you the hope of glory, but it is also a blessing to the world around you. It has made you the best of people. It has made you the best of citizens, the best of employees, the best family members. Because look at the description, for heaven's sake. Wouldn't you want that as a roommate? Wouldn't you want that as a worker in your business? The waitress? Someone shows perfect courtesy to all men? Gentle? Sober, upright? Applying themselves to their job? Honest occupation. Now that's the world's kingdom. We're just giving them a glimpse of God's kingdom. They are seeing that which does not discredit the gospel. They are seeing that which uh, adorns the gospel in you. Now they're running around, foolish, disobedient, led astray, malice, envy, hating men. That's what the world is like. They're wishing they could get employees like you. And that's what Jesus Christ, he didn't come to make you a good employee. But that's a kind of a grace that's, that trickles off the edge of your Christianity. Because it, this is the description of what the Holy Spirit regenerates you to be. Apply them. So these are excellent and profitable to men. That's another hint that it's occupational, this use of the phrase good deeds. They're excellent and profitable. But avoid, you're supposed to let yourself be made into this great family member, the best of all your family. Wow, it'd be great to have. And not in a, uh, what was that TV show with Michael J. Fox when he was a young Republican trying to be the perfect son or something like that. 
And then we like that uh, overly uh, cloying, you know, saccharine goodness. Everybody just doesn't want, it's like the person who comes and talks to you before you've had your coffee, you know. That, though you should be righteous without coffee. We're not trying to act again like perfect citizens. We want to have that description. That someone else talks about you, it looks like you were told to do it, but now you've been made like this. The best of people. But avoid, verse 9, stupid controversies. And when I highlight that, avoid stupid I was going to put stupid controversy. Nah, I'm just going to leave it. Avoid stupid. Put that on the fridge. Avoid stupid. And stupid controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels over the law. For they are unprofitable and futile. What is profitable? Getting a good job. Perhaps. They are excellent and profitable to men. What is not profitable is one long theological argument without good result, without it being the point of our lives. As for the man who is factious, that word in Greek is where we get the word heretic. Not in our, not in our sense of what heresy became, but a man who is factious is a person who tries to create groups in Christianity. Tries to. Groups will happen. False teachers will arise. Good teachers will arise. Those will be separated. That just happens. But there are guys who like to do it. Who like to get a following after themselves. Warn them. Admonish him once or twice. And have nothing more to do with him. So when he says avoid stupid. He means avoid stupid. You get to go... Don't do that. The guy says, no, I'm going to do it. He goes, okay, fine. Not my job. I don't have to fix you. I was told to avoid you. I don't, I, I don't want, when it says to avoid stupid controversies, sometimes some guys are walking controversies. You got to watch it. As you grow in the Lord, you start to have opinions about, I have opinions, really good ones. Really interesting ones. But believe me, a lot of people don't agree with them. And I've been through my portion of life where I was walking around like Ringo with my holster slung really low because I thought I could beat anybody in a gunfight of theology. That may have been true. But that's not the way to live as a Christian. Still have the opinions. Understand what their point is. It's not... It's, it's an avocational thing. It's not the way Christians are to be. We're to avoid quarreling and avoid stupid controversy. And you don't want to be one of the stupid people that other Christians who are faithful to the Holy Spirit warn you about and then you don't see much of them anymore because they're obedient to the scriptures. They're going to not have anything more to do with you. have nothing more to do with him knowing that such a person is perverted and sinful he is self-condemned 
It takes care of itself. God judges on the last day. I don't have to fix everybody that's wrong in the church. I don't have to correct every false notion. You know, we as a church don't have a statement of faith that we adhere to. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe the gospel. You've passed from death to life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. There you are. Past that, who knows what you guys believe. I know some of you are odd. But we, don't, we, we want to have the opportunity to live in Christ together as all souls. To not have stupid controversies. How did we do that? We've been a church for 25 years with no church government. How did, it's a miracle. Some people here are charismatic. Some people here are reformed. Some people here aren't. Some are dispensational, some aren't. Some are more Baptistic, some aren't. How do we do it? We want to keep you conscious that the Holy Spirit of God is trying to create a description of Christ in you. It says in Verse 12. When I send Artemis and Tychicus to you, do your best to come to be at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. That's on the west coast of Greece. Do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. And learn, and let our people learn to apply themselves to good deeds. Once again, this whole phrase there, back in verse 8, it was, to apply themselves to good deeds here, learn to apply themselves to good deeds. So as to help cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. That's the most occupational reference usage. So that you'd have money to give. So you can help out when people are in, in a difficult time. Find yourselves good jobs. There are bad things that happen in life. Nations collapse, wars occur, famine. But when you're the best of people, knowing that the Holy Spirit of God has made you the best of people, the best of family, the best spouse, the best employee, So much of life is made just good. Not that it's successful, but fruitful, helpful, able. Things open up for you when God makes you the best of people. The idea that Christ is describing himself in you by the work of the gospel in you, he's describing himself. And he's, his resume is written in us. And his intention is to have it look like this. You look like this, not look like that. It's on one of those affirmations and denials passage. Don't be like the bad boys, be like the good boys. There's a little sinner in the back right now. Oliver, you're an evil young man. No, he's actually quite cute. 
But um, he's not ready for Jesus yet. But the rest of us, Jesus has called us to himself. And you want to ask yourself, how's he doing in describing himself in me? Do I know what that description is? And can I go back and look at this list of these qualities and not go all legalistic on it, but just say, that's the description the Holy Spirit gives of what the Holy Spirit does. Happy Valentine's Day. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Thank you for your goodness in your Son, the work of the Holy Spirit to regenerate us Help us be honest as we look to see your son described in ourselves. Make us the best of people, the best of friends, the best of employees, the best of family members. The kind of people, when the non-believers want to measure the faith that we belong to, can only say good about it. Thank you. In your son's name, amen.